you would to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. Uh, Last week we finished up talking about the Baptist distinctives at, at the beginning of the year with our new theme, being anchored in Christ, I felt uh, a need to talk about what we believe and why we believe it. And and so often, I know for me, I, I can honestly say this, I went for many, many years not knowing what I believed. And it was even more years after that, not knowing why I believed it. So that's why we spent several weeks and, and uh, well, I guess we started the first of the year, didn't we? Little, little bit after the first of the year, and so it's been almost six months that we spent talking about that, and <clears throat> knowing that that was coming to an end for several weeks, I've been praying for God to give me direction of where where to go from here on Sunday nights, and God very clearly directed me back to a series that we started some time ago on Elijah and Elisha. Uh, so we're going to be finishing that up. Uh, two. Very interesting characters in in Scripture. If you're uh, familiar with the Old Testament at all, uh, these two gentlemen uh, uh, play a big part in a good part of the Old Testament. And <clears throat> but in order to understand Elijah and Elisha, you 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 need to understand the the times in which they lived. Um, David. Was okay. Help me out here. This is going to be a little Q and A here, a little test of your faith, or, or not your your test of your knowledge, not not of not of your faith, but of your knowledge. Okay, David was okay. Saul was the first king of Israel. Is that correct? Okay, David was the king of Israel, but what number king was he? He was king number three. Okay. When Saul died, he became king, not of Israel, but of Judah. It was not what, like three or four years later, that Israel made him king over all Israel. Who was who was the second king of Israel? Ishbosheth. Ish-bosheth. David. Uh, that was Saul's son, one of one of Saul's many sons. So David, <clears throat> David became king over all of Israel, and he ruled for I think thirty years or so. And then he passed his reign on to who? Solomon. Okay, Solomon. Uh, was uh, uh, who, who was Solomon's mother? Bathsheba. Okay, uh, so uh, David then passes the throne to Solomon. Solomon is responsible for a couple books in the Bible. Uh, anybody know which what they are? Okay, the Song of Solomon. That's kind of an obvious one, and then the Book of Proverbs. <clears throat> yes, sir. And Ecclesiastes. Okay, so now you would think that anybody who would write, be able to write the book of Proverbs would raise smart kids. Is that how it works? Okay, so when Solomon died, 
who then did who 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 then took over the throne? Rehoboam. Okay, Rehoboam was uh, Solomon's son, and <clears throat> right out of the gate, Rehoboam made a huge mistake. Anybody know what that was? Okay, he he listened to his peers. He listened to his peers and not the elders, not the the gray heads. You know, the Bible says that we are supposed to respect and listen to the gray head, and and, and I'm I'm getting there quickly. <laughs> but Rehoboam, because he did not listen to the old men and the advice that they gave him, and listen to the the advice of the young men. What ended up happening to the kingdom? Okay, it was split in. It was split in two. Anybody know what the two? The two. Uh, okay, Israel and Judah. Israel was also known as what else? The Northern Kingdom. Okay, Judah. <clears throat> Judah was known as the Southern Kingdom, but in which part? was Jerusalem in the north or the south in the south it, it was in it was in southern Judah or it was in Judah so <clears throat> so it's really important this and, and you think why where's he going with see this is this is why it's really important when the when the country divided in two God then provided prophets for both halves okay the same prophet did not prophesy in both in both the north and the south. The south had a set of prophets and the north had a set of prophets. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, <clears throat> in the south, where Jerusalem was, they had several what we would call good kings. Kings that wanted to do right, tried to do right, and so on and so forth. How many good kings did the north have in, in, the, in the existence of the northern tribes? Not one. Zero. Not one of the kings was classified as a good king. <clears throat> so you can imagine what it was like to be a prophet in the northern kingdoms. It was... It was Suicide at best. <laughs> I mean, uh, you can imagine uh, the treatment that the prophets received in the northern kingdoms. Uh, they were, uh, to be kind, they were not treated friendly. Okay. <clears throat> As an example, well, let, let's go ahead and just read uh, chapter 17. Verse 1, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to thy word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, use your word tonight to encourage us, to strengthen us. And help us, dear God. Uh, we are so very thankful and grateful. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. For 58 years, the northern tribes, to, to, to 58 years to, to 
uh, to the division of Israel to chapter 17, there had been uh, seven kings. 58 years, there had been seven kings. Let me read you the list of kings up to chapter 17. Jeroboam. Jeroboam was the, the, the man who was instrumental in dividing the kingdom away from Rehoboam. Okay? And I, I know those names are very close, Jeroboam and Rehoboam, but they're two, two different people. So, but Jeroboam uh, made calves of gold and set them up in places of worship in Dan and Bethel. So immediately, as soon as the division takes place, Jeroboam, the first king of the northern tribes, puts up, uh, makes golden calves and establishes two worship centers, one in, in Dan and one in Bethel. <clears throat> the, 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 the man who succeeded him was a guy named Nadab. He followed the ways of Jeroboam. So he, he just kind of standard operating procedure. He didn't turn back to God. He just kept things going and so on and so forth. Basha murdered Nabad, or Nadab uh, and, took, and took his throne. And you can imagine what happened there. Do you think, you think Basha turned to God? No. <laughs> Things went downhill from there. Elah, uh, he was uh, the drunken son of Basha. Okay, so that's king number four. Zimri, king number five, he murdered Elah, king number four, and took the throne. You see a progression here? Omri, king number six, if if you go back, and I'm giving you the, 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 the Reader's Digest version of all of this, but if you go back and read the accounts, God, God said that Omri was worse than the five previous kings. And we, we have at least two murderers in here. Uh, we have Baal worshippers in here. And, and, and Omri, king number six, was worse than any of the ones that were before him. King number seven, Ahab, we see here in chapter 17. The Bible says he was worse than Omri. So what happens? The progression was going backwards, not forwards. And and God was fed up with the idolatry and the and the idol worship, and he sends Elijah to Ahab. Now one of the things about Elijah is Elijah just kind of, at least in Scripture, he just kind of pops up. We, we don't know if he was a prophet before this. We, we don't know. Or if God was had him in reserve. We, we don't know. But all of a sudden, in Scripture, he shows up here in chapter 17, and he goes right to the king, and he calls him out. And he declares that there will not be rain on the earth, until until he says there will be. We don't know a lot about Elijah, but one thing that we do know is that he was just a common man. He was just a common man. 
there's really uh, nothing extraordinary that that scripture gives us about Elijah other than the fact he was a man that walked with God. Now, <clears throat> we're not going to spend a lot of time here. Uh, we're going to just kind of give you an overview so that we next week everybody's kind of up to speed on all of this. But why is it so important that we understand that Elijah was just a common man? Before you answer that, let me read you a verse. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the, the world to confound the things which are mighty. So, let me ask the question again. Why is it so important that we understand that Elijah was just a common man? He's just like us. He's just like us. I think it was on Wednesday night we were talking. Was it Wednesday night we were talking about uh, Samson? Okay, yeah, Samson. Uh, people uh, have, because of Sunday school material, and there's a movie out about Samson and all this stuff, we tend to think of Samson as being this big, strong, buff guy. That's probably not true. That's probably not even close to tr being true. And we again, we talked about it Wednesday night, so I'm not going to uh, you know, go too, too deep into it. But the, the, the reality is, if Samson was this big, strong guy, and God made him stronger, what's so special about that? But if he takes just an average guy, maybe even a little on the scrawny side, and gives him superhuman powers... Who gets the credit? God does. See, he takes the simple things of life and confounds the wise with them. We are surrounded in Scripture by common men. Gideon was another one. Uh, the, uh, Peter was just a fisherman. Uh, Matthew was a tax collector. David was a shepherd, uh, young shepherd boy, just common men willing to to do the impossible. Number two, he was confident. We see in verse one, <clears throat> he makes a statement, according to my word. <clears throat> and we'll talk a little bit more about this, but uh, Elijah was a very confident man in the fact that he, he knew what he believed and he was willing and ready to stand and to do right with it. Uh, Hebrews chapter four, verses 15 and 16 say, uh, for he, excuse me, for we have no high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but is with in all points tempted, like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. <clears throat> we can have the same kind of confidence that Elijah had when Elijah stood toe to toe with the king, a wicked man. He stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with him, and, and he had the confidence in the Word of God to say, Thus saith the Lord. And we can have that same confidence. And, and it is important because <clears throat> our society today is, is bent on destroying Christianity. And if never before... If never before, our country needs men and women who will stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the enemy and say, no. We can have that same confidence. Number, two, number three, he was passionate. 
Now, and you, those of you that were here whenever I did, the, the, a lot of this is review, okay? Some of this may not be new information, but I felt it was kind of necessary to kind of bring us up to speed on everything. <clears throat> he was passionate. Uh, flip over to chapter 19, <clears throat> verse 10. <clears throat> and he said, I have <clears throat> been very jealous for the, for, uh, for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain the, thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Now, <clears throat> we know, because we've hopefully you've read the rest of the book, uh, of uh, First Kings, you know that God reveals to Elijah later that he was not the only one, but he was he was zealous of the things of God. He was not only was he uh, confident, but he was passionate about the things of God. Sunday night or Sunday night, Friday night. Many of us had the the great opportunity and privilege of going to the Reno Aces game and freezing in that, in that stadium. Oh, it was, it was freezing cold. <clears throat> well, it wasn't as bad as that one year. That one year was worse. But anyway, <clears throat> I, <laughs> I'm going to pick on Sean. Where's Sean at? There he is. <clears throat> Sean was just a little passionate. He 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 was he blew out my wife's eardrum on a couple of occasions. In fact, in fact, Rolando, you're getting the doctor bill, okay? <laughs> I don't remember what happened, but some, somebody somebody hit the ball and he's running, run, run, run! You know, that's passion. Yep. But you know what? That's the way we need to be about the things of God. I, as 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 I'm listening to my wife going, <laughs> and and Sean yelling, run, 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 run. I'm thinking, why don't I do that for God? I, I would. I mean, God's preaching my message to me Friday night at the Aces games. I hated that. But what do we do? We get intimidated. We allow circumstances to dictate our joy. There was nothing holding that kid back Friday night. Sean, that's how you need to be about things of God. Number four, Elijah was equipped. He was equipped in two ways. He was a man of prayer. James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. And Elias, that's the New Testament name for Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it, may, that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by a space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth their fruit. Now let me ask you a question. Here we see a span of three and a half years between prayers. Do you think that Elijah did no praying between those two prayers. 
Hello? <laughs> okay. He had to have been praying because do you think if, if, if Elijah prayed the first prayer and said, okay, I'm not going to pray again until it's time, do you think God would answer the last one? I think, I think the whole earth would be a desert now. I really do. Elijah was a man of prayer. See, he was equipped. The problem is, and I'm guilty of this, okay? I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm guilty of this. Way too often, my prayer life goes really, really well for a while. And then all of a sudden, I miss a day here and a day there, and my prayer life starts to dwindle. And then all of a sudden, something happens, and it's like, oh boy, I need to pray. See, am I equipped? No, I'm not. And the problem is that oftentimes we allow the circumstances of life to steal away our ability to equip ourselves to deal with situations in our lives. In fact, if you understand and you read the portion of Scripture where Elijah runs, not one time in there does he ever stop and pray. until he's at the very end where he's exhausted and he has no other choice but then to pray. He's equipped because he's a man of prayer and he's also equipped because he, he has the Word of God. He had the Word of God. Look at verse 1. <clears throat> Back in chapter 17. And Elijah the Tishbite, who is of the inhabitants of Gilead said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, <clears throat> there shall be no rain these years, but according to my word. So, Elijah, is, is he quoting God here? When he says, according to my word? I believe he is. Because what does he say? The, the, as the Lord God of Israel liveth. I, I believe he was just repeating what God had told him. God said, Elijah, go and tell him this. And he went and told him that. My question is, how much time do you spend in the book? You, you, can, you can take this to the bank. Okay, I hate that statement, but it's really true here. You can take this to the bank. Your Christianity is equal to the amount of time you spend in this book. You don't spend time in this book when trials and troubles come your way, and they will. You will not have the strength to stand. But when you spend time in the book, you spend time in prayer, when troubles and trials come, you're able to stand. That's Elijah. Let's talk about Elisha. Elisha is a totally different kind of guy. I, I often picture uh, Elijah as being a rough, gruff, kind of uh, blue-collar kind of guy. I, I, I don't know. I, obviously, we have no idea of knowing. Uh, but that's kind of how I was picturing him. And Elisha, I don't know. I kind of always pictured him as a white-collar kind of guy. I, I don't know. Again, I could be totally, totally wrong 
Uh, <clears throat> that's just how I've always pictured them. Uh, because Elijah just shows up on the scene, sticks his finger in the king, king's face, and says, this is the way it is. You know, I, That's just how I have it. And Elijah is more of a, you know, easygoing kind of, you know, white-collar guy. And uh, anyway, <clears throat> just my opinion. Uh, turn over to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings uh, chapter 2. So um, before we before we read this, um, what it, what is Elijah's job? Elisha's job. Anybody know? Okay, he was he was basically Elijah's servant, or well, it was it was more than that. He, he was he was an understudy. There you go. That that's he was more of a he was more than a, of a, a, a executive assistant. We would call him today, uh, but he was an understudy. He everywhere Elijah went, Elisha went. And he was, uh, that's what he was. He was the understudy. So Elijah is getting old. And, and they, they both know that his time on earth is, is coming to an end. Uh, God has revealed it to him. <clears throat> so let's go and pick up here in chapter 2, verse 9. Chapter 2, and verse 9, it says, And it came to pass... <coughs> When they, when they were gone over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee, for I, will, uh, for I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And, and he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing, nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, uh, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on uh, and talking, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and, <clears throat> they, uh, and, and departed them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Now, Elijah <clears throat> says to Elisha, what do you want from me? And Elisha, I hate these names. They should have been more different anyway. John yeah, John and Pete or something, yeah. But every time, every time that I read this story, what other story, at least me, what, do you, what story do you think I think of? Nobody? How about Solomon? In, okay. Okay. <clears throat> In 1 Kings, was, is, this the right, is this the right passage? Okay, yeah. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, it says, And in, in Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God asked, What uh, I shall give thee? So here, God is asking, Okay, Solomon, now that your father David is gone, you are now the king, what, what, what do you want from me? Now, it's different. This was Elijah saying to Elisha, but in my mind, it's really 
it's kind of the same thing, really. <clears throat> Elisha asks for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. What does Solomon ask for? In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I might discern between uh, good and bad, and uh, who is able to judge this so great a people. So now you have Solomon asking God for wisdom. So what is what is God what does God give him? Okay, not only does he give him wisdom, but he says, because you didn't ask for riches and power and honor and all that other stuff, you asked for wisdom. Not only am I going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you riches and power and, and, and honor and so on and so forth. So two totally different situations, but I always kind of connect the two. Uh, <clears throat> so point number one here uh, under Elisha is, is his inner spirit. His inner spirit. Uh, it, it is really critical that you understand he was not asking for a double portion of the Holy Spirit. Okay, oftentimes we we kind of think that. We think, okay, he's wanting a double portion of the Holy Spirit. How do we know that that's not what a, a Elisha was asking for? Okay, he asked for a double portion of your spirit. But how do we know that he's not talking about the Holy Spirit? Come on now. It's not that hard. This is not a trick question. Well, the, well, the, the, no, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit came and went. But what happens to a person when they get saved? Okay, you get all the Spirit you need. Okay, when the Spirit indwells a, a person, you have all the Spirit you need. Now, it's up to us to maximize that Spirit, but we get all the Spirit we need. We do not need any more Holy Spirit. We have all we need. It is, it is the sin in our lives and, and certain things that hinder the Spirit from being able to work, but we do not need more of the Holy Spirit. We just need to learn how to use what we have. <clears throat> but he asked for a double portion of his Spirit. And, and I love Elijah's response to that. Are you stupid? <laughs> Because he, he was asking a hard thing. Was it hard for God to give him a double portion? No. But Elisha knew the difficulty living in the northern tribes. Trying to serve God, how hard it was going to be. And he said, he said, you, I, 21st century vernacular is, uh, you have no idea what you just asked for. Number two, and this is I want to I want to get to this very quickly here. Number two, he was a participant, and this will make sense here in a second. Look, look at verse fifteen of our passage here in Second Kings, verse fifteen, and. Uh, when the sons of the prophets, uh, which were in view at Jordan, saw him, they said, 
the spirit of Elijah doth, doth rest on Elisha. And they came and met him and bowed themselves uh, to the ground before him. <clears throat> there are two, and for time's sake, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. I want you to go back and read it. But there are two participants or, or, or two types of people in the story here. There are spectators, which are the sons of the prophets. And then there are participants, and that would be Elijah and Elisha. The problem with most people today in the, in the churches across our country is the majority of people want to be spectators. They don't want to be participants. See, it's easy to come to church. It's easy to sit in the, pro, in the, in the pews and, and say, Amen, brother. Amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good sermon, preacher. Walk out the door and just leave it all behind. But it's another thing to get down in the trenches and to help meet the needs of people in our community. People in our town desperately need Christ. And it, it's going to be participants going out and reaching those people. Look at verse 14. And he took the mantle of Elijah and it f that fell from him and smote the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he uh, also had smitten the water, they parted uh, thither, <clears throat> or hither and thither, and uh, Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets, which were uh, to view uh, at the Jordan, saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. It's important here, and please get this. Elijah, the participant, was looking for God. He says, where is the spirit of Elijah? He was looking for God. But what were the, what were the spectators looking for? They were looking for Elisha, Elisha, Elijah. Where's Elijah? What happened to him? See, the problem is spectators look to men. Participants look to God. And I've got a whole bunch more that I could say here, but I'm gonna I'm just gonna just wrap it up right here. As I as I studied this and I started preparing all this for tonight, God spoke to my heart specifically about three things. The first one is that Elijah was just a common man. And, and, and let, let me encourage you, it's really easy to try and excuse your way out of helping in the ministry if you would. Or, or, or excusing yourself out of, of witnessing and sharing the gospel with somebody. It's real easy to excuse your way out by saying, "Well, I'm just a, I'm just not that kind of person," or, or you know, I'm not a pastor. Or, you know, we can we can excuse our way out of it. But God uses common men just like you and me. And I and I I appreciate so much God revealing Elijah to us in Scripture because we can look at him and Peter and Matthew and and all of these people and we can say, you know what? God used them, he could use me. The second thing is that Elijah was equipped. 
he was a man of prayer and he was a man of the Word of God. He knew, he, he not only spent time praying, but he spent time in the Word. And then finally, with Elijah, <clears throat> be a participant. Don't sit on the sideline. You know, Friday night when we were at the ball game, we were all participants. Or, or excuse me, so we were all spectators. And I, I, I remember as I was sitting there watching the game, I, I thought about the fact that when I was a young kid, I used to play baseball. And, and, and something happened. I don't remember what happened, but I remember thinking, yeah, I did that made that mistake and you know you know when you're when you're a spectator it's easy to criticize but when you're a participant you're in the thick of the battle let's be workers for Jesus Christ let's